Good morning and welcome to Live City Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us on the stream today, and we pray that you'll be blessed by the service. I want to encourage you to get on the chat right now, and when you hear a word of the Lord, you know that it resonates with your spirit, to write it down in the chat. One thing we want to really encourage the church to do for us to connect is to make your voice heard. This is something that's unprecedented. We get to chat during the meeting. So go ahead and begin to put things down there, begin to encourage one another. Let's build up the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. If you agree with that, type on there, amen. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John and chapter 21. John chapter 21, and go to verse 15. And while you're turning there, I'll give you a bit of context behind the story. The Bible tells us in a few verses earlier that all the disciples, of course, Judas by this time is out of the picture. Eleven of them have gone back to fishing. So they had lost hope because when Jesus died, their hope had gone with him. And though he had risen from the dead, they're still adjusting to this. Is this real? Is this what's going on? They're waiting for the next instructions, and it feels like there's a void in their relationship because their friend, their Lord Jesus, is gone. And so they're trying to find the way in the world, and the Bible tells us that they've gone back into the ways of the world. So join with me now in verse 15 of John 21. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says, you you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, You dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Father, we pray right now for the impartation of your Holy Spirit to be released across this broadcast. Father, we pray for your Spirit right now to move upon every home, upon every person. Let your Word come to life. I pray that you set prisoners free. I pray for the release of miracles, healing, signs, and wonders right now. For you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If you agree with that, go ahead and chat in there and say amen in Jesus' name. The disciples had gone back to their own trade. They had lost their hope. They had lost their future as far as they were aware. And they had not yet received instructions, what do we do next? So they went back to the things they used to do before. Some of you understand what it's like to have been walking with the Lord, to see incredible things have grown so much in the Lord. But on this side of the timeline, you've lost hope. On this side of the timeline, you're no longer hearing from God like you used to back then. On this side of the timeline, you cannot see a future past today. I want to tell you that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and he's speaking to you right now. 
These disciples, they'd given up on ministry. In fact, what it's telling you is this is what six of them did as a living. Poor Matthew, he was a tax collector. He wasn't about to go back to tax collecting. So he's out there with the other fishermen going back into their trade, learning their trade, wondering, is this as good as it gets? I want to tell you right now, hashtag, it gets better. Hashtag, God's got a better plan and purpose for your life. And so they were right back where they started before Jesus, fishermen who couldn't catch fish, because that's what the verses tell us just before. They'd gone back to fishing, and this was the moment, remember this, before Jesus called them on their last fishing trip, they went out, they were fishing all night, and they couldn't catch anything without Jesus. So this whole night, they were tired, and they were feeling a bit distraught, thinking, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to feed the family? And Jesus calls out to them and says, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat. Meanwhile, they're thinking, what is this guy? You know, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher. Sure, he knows all that stuff. But what does he know about fishing? You know, sometimes we think that we're the masters of our own faith. Like we know what we're doing with our lives. And when Jesus tells us a word, we're thinking, that can't be right. That can't be God. It must be the devil. It's the Lord speaking to you. And sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense. But when you know, it feels of God. It feels right in your spirit. It's right in accordance with the word of God. This is the voice of the Lord. Why is it easier to hear the voice of the enemy, but so difficult to hear the voice of the Lord? And so these men, they were no longer hearing from the Lord. And so they went back to their old life. Some of you are doing the same thing today. You've gone back to your old life. You've lost your faith or you were losing your faith. It feels like that time when you gave your life to Jesus, your first love, was ages ago. It's a long time since you encountered the presence of God. And just like before, Jesus steps in at just the right moment. In that moment of despair, in that moment when they couldn't even lift their heads up, in that moment when they couldn't even dream about a better future, Jesus shows up. And the moment that that catch was when it became so huge, they realized, "Uh uh-oh, we've seen this before. This is none other than the hand of Jesus. And Peter couldn't help himself. The Bible says he jumps off the boat and he swims to shore because he's so desperate to hear from God again. I pray that you'd get that same desperation for the presence of God. Don't sit back and, well, whenever he decides to show up, then I'll talk to him. Get desperate for God. If he's not, if his voice is quiet in your life, get desperate for God. Begin banging on the door of heaven and say, God, I've got to hear from you. God, i got to see you now. God, come and meet with me now. By the time Peter arrived on the shore, Jesus already had bread and fish cooking over an open fire. And he invites him to come and sit with them. He says in John 21 verse 10, bring some of the fish you have just caught. I love that little piece that's added in there because although Jesus provided for them, Although God provided for them, he still invites us to throw in our little, you know, five loaves and two fish because God wants to multiply what you have and he'll combine it with what he has and will begin to celebrate the great blessing and favor of the Lord. Some of you, I know that God is speaking to you today. You need to chat right now. Let us know. Hey, you're talking to me right now, Pastor. The Lord is speaking to me right now. 
And so Peter and Jesus begin having this discussion in front of all the other disciples, by the way. If you're wondering, did they walk away? No, he's sitting right there. They're all listening in because, remember, Peter, James, and John were really close to the Lord. And so Peter is having this one-on-one with a, a, a man that all the disciples are familiar with. This is just what Jesus does. And at the crux of the questions that Jesus was asking, it was actually all a guy's a call to restoration. And Peter was always God's plan A. He had everything he needed to walk in his destiny, but these feelings of failure, his feelings of despondency because he rejected the Lord, he had given up on the Lord, it kept him prisoner to the past. Some of you right now, you know what I'm talking about. Everything that is required for you to serve God and to do it powerfully in a way that will transform that pe- the people around you, that world around you, you're not doing it because of your feelings of despondency, your feelings of despair, your feelings of hopelessness, feelings like you'll never measure up. Is this really where God wants me to be? I want to encourage you, friends. This is exactly where God wants you to be, and he's speaking to you today. Jesus asked this very profound question. He says, do you truly love me more than these? The commentators are all, they're, never, they're not actually sure what the these refers to. That these could be the fish that Jesus caught. Like, you know, do you love me more than fishing? He might have been talking about the food that they ate. Do you love me more than fish and, and bread? I know it's your favorite, fish and chips. Or maybe he's saying, do you love me more than you love the other disciples? But this one thing is for sure. The Lord is asking you, and he's asking me the same question. What is vying for your love more than your love for God? We are often oblivious to what we allow our hearts to love. We love our cars. Some of you hate your cars or bombs. You know, just pray to the Lord to give you a new car. (laughs) Some of you just have the person next to you. Pastor's talking to you today. We love our wife. You should love your wife. Wives, if your husband did not nod their head, go and whack him in the back of the head. You need to repent right now. (laughs) We love our wife. Yes, 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 honey. We love our kids. Sometimes we don't like them with what they do. (laughs) We love our kids. We love our sports. We love our Netflix. We love to binge watch. We love our job. Some of you love your job, and if you don't love your job, pray that the Lord changes your heart or moves you to something better. We love our bed. We love to sleep in. We love eating, and we love holidays, and we love a great many things. And Jesus is asking a very direct question of you today. Do you love me more than these? One morning... Carolyn Hendren, a Sunday school teacher at Zion Church in Sri Lanka, asked her students this question. How many of you are willing to die for Christ? Every one of the children dutifully raised their hands. And according to one of the, a seminary leader, he wrote this, quote, unquote, All the children had responded to their teacher's question by putting their hands up and signaled their fresh dedication to Jesus by lighting a symbolic candle. 
for so many of those children, he continued, it would be their final act of worship. Because in the next few minutes following, a suicide bomber came in trying to, to destroy the church and came to there and set off a bomb. And minutes later, those children and others died. That was Easter just this last year. How much of us, how many of us would actually respond to that? Would you be willing to die for him? If you love him so much, are you willing to die for him? The Bible says, you know, husbands love your wife as, your, as, 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 as Jesus loves the church and, and offered himself and died for the church. He's saying, husbands, get ready to die for your wives. Would you do that? This is a kind of love that Jesus is trying to evoke out of Peter. And when a moment came and talking about love, Peter made a spectacularly big show of telling Jesus just how much he loved him. Of course, in front of all the other disciples, he says in Matthew 26, verse 33, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. <laughs> and Jesus told him, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. He meant well. But when the pressure came, Peter rejected Jesus. Some of you understand what that's like. When the pressure is hitting you. And some of you have already collapsed. You've already given in. And you have already lost your hope. And I guess in your way, you've rejected Jesus. You know he's there, sort of. But he just seems like he's not there for you. You know, we had different people that are writing on Twitch, and one of them wrote about how he was expressing his heart, his anger, because he had lost his daughter to cancer, and he's crying out to God. I'm wondering if the man was a Christian, but he had fallen so out of love with God. He hated God because of his loss. I want to ask you today, how strong have you been for Christ this year? When it came time to pray for your food at McDonald's, how did you go? And when your workmate found out you were a Christian, what did you do with that? What have you done in your investment of time? Are you giving your best to God, or is he getting the leftover, the scraps, if you have anything left? The same goes for your finances. Are you putting God first with your first fruits, your tithes and offerings? Because what you spend your money on, what you spend your time on, tells you who or what you really love. And Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Peter replies to Jesus. His reply was simple. He says, you know that I love you. But it's interesting because why would God ask this question if he already knows the answer? <laughs> That's the way that God usually plays with us. He already knows the answer. He wants you to fess up to it. Do you really love me? Have you ever noticed those who are having a hard time in their relationship, they usually post something on social media, just love my man. Oh, I love my wife. I know, batting higher than I am. And yet, later on, you find out that their marriage is broken up. Their relationship is over. Ever see that guy with a big bunch of flowers? 
You ever like me wondering, wonder what he did last last night to deserve that? He's really trying to win her back. Obviously, something happened. Or maybe you might be you know, one of the 1% that you are. Oh, romantic guy, and you buy the flowers. God bless you. We're not talking about you, but for all us other humans, we're wondering the same thing. Okay, what did he do wrong yesterday? If you have a recurring challenge that keeps confronting you. Jesus came to Peter and kept challenging him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He kept repeating it. These words are piercing Peter, and he's struggling with it. Perhaps in your life, this recurring challenge keeps coming around, and God is confronting you. It's a relationship problem. You cannot forgive, and then this person pops up again, and you still can't forgive, and the Lord will give you a season away, but He's going to keep popping up. Why? Because He loves you so much that perhaps God is looking to restore you through this confrontation. By addressing the issue, You can heal, and God wants you to move on to your destiny. You see, God is interested in our love. It forms a center of our being and our identity in Him. In fact, love is an expression of God's character because 1 John chapter 4 says, God is love. Love is God. If you're wondering what love is, love is is God. You know that song that they sang back in the 80s? I want to know what love is. I can tell you God is love. We struggle to understand what love is. We try to redefine love, but by trying to redefine love, we simply end up in disaster. Our relationships are broken, and there's hurt, and there's resentment, there's unfaithfulness, and such brokenness. It doesn't work. You can't redefine love because God is love. And Peter struggled to understand the depth of God's love for him. You know, he was by this time operating in a worldly system. He's thinking back the way he was. Perhaps he might have even been going back to swearing and all those old things, that old Peter. In fact, Jesus called him Peter before that. His name was Simon. And then when Jesus saw the growth in Simon, he says, I'm going to call you Peter, which means little rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. It's surprising that Jesus did not call him Simon because Jesus had a tendency to do that. (laughs) Peter did something cataclysmically stupid, like we all do. Jesus called him Simon. But in this case, Jesus was calling the future out of Peter. He's saying, you are the rock. He's saying, I will build my church on you. And so Peter struggled to understand the depth of God's love. And the world, when the world tells you, you know, if the world rejects you, you reject them. When they break your trust, you break their trust. When they hurt you, you hurt them. Make them pay. That's the sentiment of the world, but it's not the way that God created us to be. We see here that Even though Peter denied Jesus publicly in front of all those people around the fire, he's waiting around. He's the only disciple, by the way, who's actually there. Everyone else ran away. He's there near Jesus watching the, the judgment taking place on Jesus. And when he was questioned about, aren't you one of his followers? No, I'm not. And, and the Bible says he began swearing, cussing. Three times he did this. Just not once, not twice, 
three times of rejection, three opportunities to claim Jesus as his own, and he failed each time. Peter denied Jesus publicly. But we see here that Jesus affirmed Peter publicly in front of all the other disciples around another fire. Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus affirmed his love for Peter three times. How deep is the love that God has for you? Peter was so messed up in the way that he saw love and his relationship with God was starting to be so muddy. He no longer saw the genuine love that Jesus had for him. And so Peter thought that the questioning Jesus had had for him was an interrogation. Have you ever had someone ask you a question that was a loaded question was really an accusation? How did that make you feel? Because that is how Peter's feeling in this moment. And the thing is, there's a Greek wordplay going on that we're not aware of. But if we would understand that in our English Bibles, you'd understand why Peter was getting so agitated. It was more than the repetition of that word love. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? But if you look at this deeper, you begin to see the words that Jesus is using. Because in the Greek language, there's four types of love. We only talk about three normally. But there's two at play here. So Jesus is asking Peter, and the first time he asked him this, he says, Peter, do you agapao, we use the word agape, do you love me with a sacrificial love? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me in a way where you would give everything up? And Peter, in all his rejection and feeling like he's being interrogated, he answers this way. He says, Jesus, I phileo love you. In other words, he's saying, I love you affectionately. I love you like a brother. I appreciate you, love. So Jesus asked him again, you know, Peter, do you love me sacrificially? Are you willing to lay down your life for me? Peter is just saying, Jesus, I, I, I love you with affection. I, I affectionately love you. And the third time that Jesus asks him if he loves him, he, he goes this way. He says, well, Peter, and he lowers himself to Peter's level. Peter, do you affectionately love me? And Peter realizes, oh. Jesus has changed the way that he's inviting me to love him. He has lowered his, his expectation of me, but I know he wants more of me. And he's getting all upset about this. He's misunderstood that from the very beginning, all the Jewish people know this, the Shema. And once a great teacher of the law came to Jesus and asked him, if you could summarize all the law and the commandments into one singular idea, he says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 38. He says, this is what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first And greatest commandment, that's the kind of love that God wants you to have for him. 
Some of us, we've gone cheap with our love. We've, we've gone for phileo love. We've gone for all, the, all other kinds of love. We've traded these things. But Jesus wants the highest form of love. He wants you to agape love him. He wants you to love him sacrificially. He wants you to, to forsake all other loves but this one great love. He wants your attention first thing in the morning. He wants your time. He's interested in your day. He's interested in your highs. He's also interested in the lows when you're down in the valley and you're crying and you're broken, God says, speak to me, talk to me, call upon me. I love you. Peter was hearing. Are you going to reject me again? (laughs) Will you fail me again, Peter? Will you love the applause of men more than, than me? Are you willing to reject me and embrace them? You can do it again. Will you publicly reveal your love for me? Or will you hide it yet again? That's what Peter was hearing. Oftentimes in our brokenness, we can't hear the truth of what God is really saying. He loves you. Perhaps you're listening to this broadcast. You're not a Christian today. The Lord is trying to peel back all those different ways that you've looked at him that are not truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. If you want to know real truth. And he's real love. And he's trying to speak. He's trying to break through. Through all that hurt and through all that brokenness. Through all the things that people have said and described who he is. It hasn't been right. This is who he is. God loves you, and God has a plan and purpose for your life. And so Jesus says to Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, care for my flock. If you love me, feed my lambs. There's two key words that are being used here, the word basco, which which means to pasture a flock. And then he uses the word, I can't pronounce this that well, I'm so sorry, poimino, poimino, which means pastor, like I am, a pastor, a shepherd of the flock. So he says, pasture the flock, lead them to places where they can eat and drink and and be looked after. Pass them, look after them, care for them, and lead them to eat and to drink and look after them. And then again he says, pasture the flock. Jesus explains that there is a need to feed the flock. Who is the flock that he's speaking of? He's talking about God's people. Those of you that say, I want to follow Jesus You're the flock of Jesus. In fact, every shepherd, including me, we're all sheep that have gone astray, but we're following the great shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, verse 2, God says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. These were the leaders of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? That's your job. That's my job. We're always waiting for someone else to look after that person. I wish the pastor would call. Or I wish that leader would call. You're the one that, that, that God, God put it on your heart. That's why you're thinking about it. Go call them. Go look after them. Acts 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. I want to declare to you today that each of you is a minister of Jesus Christ. Each of you is a minister of the gospel. Each of you is a shepherd. And it is our job to look after each other, to look after one another. Who's going to have your back? It's a person next to you. It's the neighbor next to you. I'm going to look after you. We're going to look after one another. 
but one person can't do it all. It's impossible. That's why Jesus left and sent us the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the only being that can be everywhere at the same time. But God needs you, and God needs me. We need each other. Jesus came to care for his disciples. Jesus came to feed them. Notice he didn't discuss the pain and the rejection and the utter agony and the feelings of betrayal that he had just days ago. His whole attention, his whole focus on his conversation was them. And he was with Peter and directing his affection and his love for him, his whole purpose. I want to restore you, Peter. Jesus was making the point. I want you to feed others because, Peter, you have something to offer. Jesus is reminding Peter of his calling. So listen to this. Up to this point in time, Jesus had been the one feeding his disciples. But right now, Jesus is asking Peter to feed the sheep now. The roles have changed. Jesus is calling Peter to become a shepherd, a relational shift. And I believe right now God is causing this relational shift with the church. No longer do we look at people outside the church as them and then us. He's saying, no, no, they're sheep. They're lost sheep. Go out and look after the lost sheep. The Bible says that the shepherd, Jesus, will leave the 99 sheep to look for the one sheep. And when he finds the one sheep, he will rejoice in everyone with him. In fact, everyone says, for that one lost sheep. Everyone in heaven, all the angels in heaven throw a party when someone returns to the Lord. Can I hear a shout out and an amen right now in the chats? Praise the Lord. Notice Jesus asked this question of Peter after he had just fed the disciples. He's saying, I want you to feed my sheep because Peter, I just fed you. Get the idea? God wants to feed you so that you can feed others. You can't give what you don't have. And we know Peter understood this concept because later in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 6, he heals a man who is lame. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. So he understands this. I can't give you anything I don't have. Some of you are operating on empty. You're trying to pour from empty. In your marriage, you're trying to love with empty when you haven't been filling your tank. God wants to love you. You need to get him into your heart. You need to get so filled to overflowing that you're able to minister to your family, able to minister to your wife, able to minister in the workplace, able to minister wherever you go. But you have to be fed first. You can't give what you don't have. So my question to you today is this. What are you going to do to fill your basket? So you can share with others. Because Jesus is saying you've got to feed the sheep. You see, if you don't feed the sheep, they will actually starve to death. They will die. In fact, the job of the shepherd, the thing is about sheep, they're the most dumbest animal around. (laughs) In fact, if you don't lead sheep around, they will stay and eat the grass in that section of field until they starve to death, until there's no more grass left, and then they die. That's why the job of the shepherd is to lead them to green pastures. 
constantly moving. And then he has to lead them to still water. They will not drink from water that's moving. It has to be still water. So the shepherd needs to know his way around. Some of you don't know your way around the Word. And you were relying on Sunday morning services. You're relying on church to be the sole place where you are feeding. Can I challenge you right now? Don't do that. I've had many people over the years come to me to praise me and say, Pastor, I went to the church down the road and I was starving to death, but I came to your church and I've got a good meal. Thinking that I'd be flattered with that, but instead, I've got to say, brothers and sisters, it is so disappointing that men and women of God, brothers and sisters who have known the Lord for some time, don't know how to feed themselves. We come to church because we gather together as one. We minister to one another. And God gives us, you know, by the grace of God, words that will hopefully uh, affect your life and change you and provoke you to do good things. God is in the business of restoration. He wants to restore you. He loves you. And he wants you to live your best life, a life to the max. He wants you to live not just for yourself, but to make a difference in the lives of others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And God will do what he can in any way he can to get your attention. Today, there's no accident that you are watching this live stream. Perhaps this is the first time you watched our stream. God is speaking to you today. Perhaps this is the first time that you have heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has been moving upon you right now, and you know, man, something's changed about me today. Perhaps you've heard the message of the gospel before. You've made a decision, but you've walked away from the Lord, and today, God's got your attention. I want to lead you in a prayer this morning, and would you say this prayer with me out loud? Right there on the edge of your bed, you might be in your couch at home. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he was raised on the third day, you are saved. Come and say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standards. You call that sin. But Jesus came and took the punishment for all of my sins for my whole life. And so I'm asking right now, Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Remove my guilt and give me a clean heart. Fill me with your spirit and restore me once again. You died for me. Now I will live for you. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time or you are making a rededication to the Lord, I want to encourage you, please reach out and contact me. Yes, at livecitychurch.com because I would love to lead you in your next steps in your growth journey with the Lord. Thank you for listening today. God bless you.